Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving, and excited to be on with Dan Spanauer tonight uh, here at the education class at LIU Hudson. We're in Middletown, New York, and this is the leadership class uh, here behind me, and uh, Dan Spanauer on tonight. Uh, Dan is an educator for over 30 years uh, down in King, North Carolina, and Dan is also the author and the uh, putting together of this great book here, Leading Narratives. Dan, thanks so much for joining our class this evening. My pleasure. I appreciate you having me. It's always good. I think we've done this a couple of times. And, a couple of uh, times. Always to to you. The first Three? time uh, person here on the show. Oh, I, yeah, I do feel privileged. All right. <laughs> let's, let's roll. Yeah. So, Dan, uh, we've learned a lot about leadership uh, in this course here. And again, a great group of educators behind me, and I'm going to turn it over to them in a moment. But we've met authors, uh, Jay Billy, uh, Culture yeah. Matters, and uh, Beth mm -hmm. Huff, uh, who wrote Lead uh, Like a Pirate. And then we chose to read yeah. your book in this course as well, uh, Leading Narratives. And we talked about the power of storytelling. And in this book that you put together, there's so many amazing stories that we're going to talk about tonight. The first question, I'll kick it off and then we'll turn it over. You know, telling stories as an educator is a great tool. It's a great way to connect with people. What are some stories in here, Dan, that you think would res resonate with schools and, and teachers and kids? What would be some that, yeah. that jump off uh, off the pages here for you? Well, let me start a little bit about it. It's um, the I start with the book about my experience with at Duke basketball camp. And I got to know Coach K when I was about 22. And so I got to start working out down there. They got this beat was in the earlier night. year. Pardon? They got beat last night. So this was in the earlier years. And in those days, he wasn't as busy as he is now. So we would always finish each um, week with a little pizza party and we'd sit around and talk. And I talk about it at the beginning of the book, but it that part he did. He used to talk about how important he was. His his stories most of the time all, back in those days anyway always involved trains. Either you the trains leaving the station, get on the station, and he was talking about how much the uh, words and how you relate to your to your people and your players are the most important thing, even more so than X's and O's and everything else like that. And I'm sitting there as a 22 year, and at the time I had no idea he was he was going to become what he was going to be, but that resonated with me. And I've always been a collector. Um, one of the other books that I did was a collection of quotes that I put together as if it went through a season. So I would collect things and I would put it in a file. It's a whole lot easier now with my files because now I put it on the computer, but I would have these stacks of files. And when I would get a story or something like that, I would put it in a file that I thought would be relevant to my coaching. And so what I've done is I've started putting all these things into a book or into a different file. And that's what this is. That's what this book is about. Um, so there's a lot of stories that's in there that you may have a tough time saying, how could that have anything to do with education or anything else like that? Um, but some of the ones that that I, th I really like the one about the lumberjack. Uh, and the reason is, is because I think the lumberjack story, if you've read it, it talks about the guy goes out and he's got a job and he, cutting down trees in the first day, first week or whatever, he comes back with all these trees and then he's feeling good about it and everything. And then as the weeks go on and the days go on, his output goes down. 
and he starts to feel bad. He's like, I can't understand what's going on. What's going on? And the guy asked him, well, how many times have you sharpened your ax? And he goes, oh, I haven't sharpened my ax at all. And I think as leaders, sometimes we get that beginning burst and we feel good about what we've done. And, and so then we're just, we're going to do more. We're going to do more. We're going to do more. And we don't take time to step back, sharpen our tools, rest a little bit. And now our output will start getting a little bit better, which I think that's the whole thing with the lumberjack. So instead of like putting all that into words, you just tell a little story about a guy's going out cutting down a tree. His ax gets dull. He doesn't even think he needs to take some rest and he's not getting his, the same output. Uh, so I like that one. There's a, there's a lot of them. There's some of them in there that's a little edgy, which may not go with education. Uh, but I do like, uh, I like the one with the maid is talking to the husband and, and she's making an accusation about somebody else and, and she gets real loud. And I think that's important because sometimes a lot of people get really loud and start throwing darts at people and they don't realize that sometimes those darts will come back toward them. So I think any type of story, if you're going to relate, and, and Andrew does it all the time, I know, well, as soon as I tuned in, he's telling a story about my brother, but that's the way I think you get people to listen. We got so much noise today and, and people are hearing stuff all the time that if you can somehow take what you're wanting to get across and put it into a little brief story, I think people have a tendency to remember it better. So that's what it's about. Great, Dan. And thank you so much. And uh, I'll open it up to the class now about some of the stories that might've related to them in their lives. So, my name is Susan DeGeorge, and I just wanted to comment on um, one of the stories you about was um, big people do small things. And I think that really touched me as an educator because um, the soldiers were digging the trench and the leader didn't want to go ahead and help because he felt he was, I guess, too good for that. Yeah. Um, he realized it was General George Washington. So uh, it made him, gave him a reality check. And for me, I um, really... What I took from that was that no job is too big for any, any educator to do. We're all in this together. We're a team. And whatever the job is, as leaders, we should go ahead and initiate it and carry out whatever task is necessary for the benefit of the students and the team. So I really appreciate that story. So thank you. That's that's great. That, that's fantastic. Yeah, I think that is the meaning of it. And I think sometimes as leaders, if we're not careful, we, we can get in, infected with the uh, know-it-all virus where we sort of think that we know it all and, and something's beneath us. And I've heard many times of people talking about, and this actually is a Coach K story, and I've put this in one of my other little books and stuff because I was around him so much. But he talks about he, he was at camp and he comes around and he knocks the manager and he spills a drink and the manager starts freaking out. And he goes, grabs a towel, and, and he says, no, let me, let me get it. And, and the point is, is that, you make a mess, you clean it up, you do the work that the other people's doing. So, and yeah, that's, that's perfect. Great. Thank you. Thank you. You guys I can appreciate your tweet today. What's that, Dan? I think you tweeted out today. I just retweeted it. I appreciate your tweet today. Yeah, I actually picked out uh, four stories that I really enjoyed. So thank you for looking at thank that. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Dan, how you doing? Frank, uh, Hey, Frank. Hi. I teach uh, third graders. They're eight years okay. old, and I got a funny story. I'm, I'm really enjoying your 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 book. I really um, 
these uh, the students can uh, sit here and read it on their own. But I found a, a good kick out of answer the tough questions, which is kind of off topic to education. Uh, but the one that you know, I actually read a couple of these stories to my students, and the one about the elephants, where the boy is is kind of being a smart aleck. Yeah. It said, keep in mind, there may be more than one right answer to any any question you ask. We have our state exam tomorrow. And so he says to me, so there's going to be more than one right answer on the test? I'm like, no, 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 no. There's only, there's only one right answer on multiple choice questions. So. Hey, but he was listening, right? Oh, he still was. He was, he was listening. That's good. we we'll have to put that in my next one. I like that. Go <laughs> ahead, okay, Kate. Did you want to go? Um, I have like maybe a more difficult question. Um, I found a lot of the stories to be a little bit offensive. Yeah. Um, I mean, you seem like a nice guy and I looked at your other work and everything. So what do you say to people that find some of the stories like sexist or, or you know, uh, really pushing towards different stereotypes? Yeah, I, and I think there's definitely that. And I tried to say that at the beginning. There's some that's, I, I thought about excluding some, um, but it was, Again, it was my whole collection of it. And so, I mean, I, I think that the bottom line is that sometimes, you know, that freedom of speech gives us the right to put things in there and then freedom of thought is the whether or not we want to be offended by it and, and, and things like that. So I'm not, you know, it may not be for everybody and it may not be for all educators or anything else like that. What it, what it is, is it's, it's stories that had come across my career that I had put into my and I put in my files and things like that and and it could definitely I can see that uh, what's funny is there's a well it's the difference in in terms of things like there was a story in there about the priest and the nuns and and stuff like that which could definitely go and I had one person um, who bought it who I put it in my journal I always finish my journal with a little story at the end uh, it talks about same thing. It's a moral and that's how it's the last word of the story. And uh, I sent samples of the journal and I had a coach contact me and said that, how, you know, I don't understand how, why you would put that in there and everything else. And then that same sample issue, two other women coaches subscribed with it. So I think it's all how we look at it, but uh, I can definitely see that. And I've, I understand that, and that's why I, I tried to say that up front and everything. Yeah. Um, I found your stories quite often thought-provoking, and um, I mean, I see the summary under most all of them. And I mean, one of my favorites that I've known a long time is the one about the two wolves, the tale of the two wolves. Yeah. And um, I just find that that you know, it's the interesting perspectives. You know, and it does leave you thinking, you know. Um, now, yeah. did you, I mean, you told how you came about, you know, you collected these stories. With the different, like, I don't know, your your takeaway at the bottom of each one, did you kind of come up with those at the same time? Is that something that just evolved over time? Understand what that's something that's something that's evolved over time or that I've changed and I even changed some as I put it into the book format. Uh, but what I would do is with my folders, I would take it as to what I thought certain things would be. And sometimes it would be more toward coaching. Uh, for example, I mean, I don't know if you can see, but behind is the picture of hold the rope. And that's a story that's in there. 
and we put that one with the teamwork and things like that so i would try to put it with that but the little part at the end is just my as a leader and as a coach that i thought that that story meant to me yeah and, and, I, and that's what a lot of yeah. that i agree with you but it also worked for me to just expand from there but it you know yeah absolutely and it could be i think that's what stories are it can be whatever however you want to choose to use it and and however you don't want to use it and and you know we all hear certain stories and say, oh, that one's not for me and then and that's what this is just supposed to be a resource for that yeah so that's good yeah you can use it however you take it mm -hmm. and i would like to say that i'm married to a man from mississippi and so in my household there is a lot of storytelling <laughs> ah, yeah yeah well, do you it doesn't matter if the story is true it's just that you liked it or you appreciate that's it. right well, good yeah it's that southern storytelling yes <laughs> dan uh i wanted to jump in uh i've used your stories in so many settings uh the one about feedback about the young man that wants to cut the lawns right. uh, calling for a job uh we've i told the one in here about the cannibals uh that that <laughs> ate the secretary right they yeah. ate all the managers no one noticed they ate the secretary yeah. Fell apart. Yeah. Um, one of the ones I've used at school with kids is, you know, with so much today, we see so much about their mental health, uh, uh, wellness, their confidence, their school anxiety mm -hmm. uh, is the cracked pot. Uh, yeah. And and the use Sweet of the water. Pot. Mm -hmm. Why don't you tell me your inspiration for that, or where you you got that one, and you know, have you used that maybe in, in your school? Oh yeah, and uh, I think. Where, where it came from is hard to say. Somebody once told me like originality is remembering what you read or saw, but forgetting where you saw it. And so, you know, I can't take credit for it. I don't know where it, where it came from. And I'm sure you could probably Google most of these and they'll show up in some form or fashion on the internet. So it's probably more of a curation as opposed to, an, to authoring it. But yeah, I like that one too, because the pot thinks it's useless, but yet it's serving a major purpose. We use that with our role players. As a matter of fact, that was the the file that that was under was for my I put I called it my uh, bench players, my bottom not I called it nine through twelve, and uh, that's for my players that didn't get a lot of time. And so we would say I'd use that story or something there along that, and and like you don't realize it, but you're you're growing this team, you know, by your effort every day, uh, people don't see, you don't see it, but at the end, you're going to like this year, we were able to win the championship uh, in our league and everything, and they all get the same prize and, uh, and they're, they're getting, they're getting it then, and you don't see it. So I like that story too. I, that would be one of my favorites. Thanks, Dan. Someone else want to jump in? Hi, Dan. Alex Vanderbilt. Um, I really enjoyed reading the compilation of all the stories that you put into the book. And you, I can kind of get the sense of like where you are as a leader and what really motivates you. Um, but could you maybe talk more about besides the stories that you collect for yourself? What, sorry, what motivates you as a coach, as a teacher? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I've, I've always had a passion for it. And, and uh, I've always said, if I ever wake up in the morning and I don't want to get, go to work, then, then it is work. There's days, of course, you know, that it's not, that something comes up, but I think, I think as leaders, 
you know, you're not going to incite enthusiasm in anybody else if you don't have enthusiasm. And we, I've been fortunate enough to have enthusiasm for my job and it's taken me some different places and, and, and it's been good. Um, I, I enjoy reading. I enjoy learning. And I think that as leaders, sort of like the lumberjack story, I think as leaders, we have to take care of ourselves and we have to, it's easy to get in that rut and just keep doing the same thing over and over. And what I've tried to do, especially the longer that I've been in it, is I've tried to refresh myself. And, um, and that's what the writing has done. That's what the journal has done. And it's been, I've been fortunate enough that some people have latched on and, and done, and even if I didn't get any subscribers to my journal or any, like when I put this collection together, I don't put it together necessarily to sell it. I just enjoy doing it. And it's been fortunate enough. Some people have been uh, excited about it and reading it and things like that, but it's passion. And I think we all have it for something. Um, and I think we know it when we, when it's there. Um, so when I think if you can find that passion, it's easy to get up and, and it's easy to read things so that you want around that and everything else. So I don't, I don't, that's what it's been for me. And that's why I keep doing it 36 years later. So. <laughs> Anyone else got questions? Hi, um, Elisa Bellastrino here. Uh, since it's April Fool's Day, I picked the one, A Rough Day. And you wrote how uh, pranks, no matter how seemingly harmless, can backfire. Um, in particular, there is this one prank that my friends did on me back in middle school, and I will never forget it because of how upset it made me feel. Um, the teacher was in on it, which is even worse. And, um, you know, they they gave me a bad grade on something or whatever the case may be. I got a grade back, and, mm -hmm. and then, um, you know, I went to go talk to the teacher about it, and he was in on it and, you know, wouldn't change my grade or whatever the case may be. And uh, and then they, when I walked out after talking with the teacher, they said it was a prank and you know laughing, but I was crying and <laughs> upset the whole time. So I can understand how pranks they can maybe be harmless, but they really can backfire. Yeah, so. I I agree, and I think I I think as leaders we have to be careful. You know, that's I mean we came up the younger days of hazing and everything else like that, and you know, that's a good evolution that that sort of been taking itself out because a lot of times the hazing and stuff that would happen within teams, the coaches would be involved in that same type of thing. And it seems funny for it seems funny for 12 guys, but for the 13th guy, the one person that's getting pranked on, it's never very funny. And uh, and so, yeah, I, I can definitely relate to that. And so maybe somebody will use that story for that. Dan, we have, a, a, a again, a great group of educators here. You've yeah. been in education your whole life. Uh, some of them are going to go on to administrative jobs. What advice would you give the group here uh, in terms of leadership, in terms of effective principals and effective school leaders? What, what advice would you give them? Uh, first of all, I think be authentic. And that's, you know there it's what's we're in a we're in a society now 
And uh, and and I thought about this actually, which goes back to that other question about offensive and, and stuff like this, because we're in a, we're in a society or a situation now where a lot of people are afraid to make decisions because they're afraid of the the way the bashing or the society may react to it. And if now there can be some good to that because people can be more accountable for the decision. But I think if you're making an ethical decision or a decision that feels right in here, you have to be authentic enough to make it. And because I think there's a lot of people in leadership today that are afraid to make decisions and they'll just be decisionless because they're afraid of some backlash that may come from it. And there's a lot of people that, you know, that's people are afraid to stand up, you know, as said, some of the greatest revolutions, Hitler's and stuff comes from apathy because people were afraid to stand up when they knew and things were happening. So I think as leaders, we have to be authentic enough and we have to stand up for what we believe in. And those, and we also have to understand that those beliefs can be different. The other thing I think is important for, you, you know, you can't build a sustainable program as a coach. You can't build a sustainable school if you're not sustainable. And you have, in other words, you have to take care of yourself because the higher you climb up the leadership ladder, uh, the more can be expected of you. And, uh, and if you're not careful, it becomes 24 seven. And then what happens, I think a lot of times you start out trying to do 24 seven and you're wanting to do everything and you try to do everything. And, uh, and then before long burnout happens or, decision-making gets affected. And I think you have to really make sure that you take care of yourself. And the other thing I would say is that we're all as leaders and organized and everything else, we, we love task to-do list, you know, and things like that. And I think a to-do list obviously is important. You do the first thing in the morning. We've all heard these things, but I think you gotta be careful not to get married to a to-do list because some of life's best things, some of best things that happen in schools, some of best things that happen in coaching or anything else like that are the unexpected things. And if you're so busy just doing the to-do list, sometimes you'll miss out on some of the other things that could be there. So, you know, but our profession, education needs quality people. And, uh, you know, the fact that you're sitting there at what, 607 and you're, you're getting, you're getting, uh, you're expanding, you're in, and you're evolving. It says a whole lot about you. And we need, we know, we can always use quality people. Uh, so, hats off to you. Dan, we talked about the power of our interactions, the way we interact with the staff, the things we say to kids, and and treating that is very important. You tell the story about Bear Bryant on page 65 that he meets a, a, a gentleman in a diner, right? Yeah. Signs him an autograph, sends him a picture, and then years later, that gentleman's son would go on right. to be a car because he was going to Alabama because of that single interaction. Uh, tell right. me about that story and, again, your interaction with all of these kids over the years and the importance of those interactions. Yeah, I think it was um, – and, again – you know, sometimes you don't know the source. And so sometimes it's easy to think it's your original stuff and it's not, but I think it was Steve Jobs or somebody who talked about connecting the dots. You connect the dots. The, what you don't connect the dots until you look back. You know, I think a lot of people are trying to network and connect the dots moving forward. And if you'll just 
be nice, treat everybody as if they are something special. You'll be amazed at the, at the way the dots connect down the road. The way I first ended up in college basketball was because of somebody that I had talked to, that who had talked to and then ended up talking to the coach at Florida State who was at Miami at the time. I had no idea, but it was just because somebody I had taken a phone call from. And uh, so I think it's, it's amazing when you look back and you say, oh, you know, but like when Bear Bryant went into that restaurant or whatever and, and to there, he had no idea there was a potential recruit coming there. He was just being nice to the people that were there. And, and that's what sort of to the janitor and the custodian's name and stuff like that. A lot of times as leaders, if we're not careful, we're, we think that we've got to only look upward and, and only try to make the next connection up the ladder. And sometimes it's the connection down the ladder who becomes up the ladder that, that can really help you out. So the bottom line is be professional and courteous to everyone. And, and, even, and even when someone is disagreeable or somebody you completely disagree with and everything else like that. You can still, and that's something I think that's happening in today is that anybody that we tend to disagree with, we tend to get louder with, and we tend, we tend to attack personally. We don't have to change our minds in terms of agreement, but we do, we do need professionalism, especially in education. I was just checking with the group, Dan. Uh, anything else from our group here? I had a quick question. Hi, Dan. It's Veronica Serrano. Hi, and Veronica. Your stories. I was wondering if you had an inspiring, if something inspired you to put all the stories together. Like, what was your motivation behind putting the book together? My motivation was I always wanted to be the best coach I could be, and and I do, and it really was based on that pizza night at. at uh, with Coach K and them and him talking about how you need to get different stories. And that's why, how kids will listen, especially in timeout. Sometimes you'll just say something and supposed to what you need to do. So I started just collecting them and, and, and everything. And I do use them in, in the gym. Uh, may not, maybe not along, but I'll reference something um, from time to time because, and like, once you've got a little story base or you've got something and then you get into a heated situation such as a timeout or something like that, I can just reference a little something and their mind will go right to what we're trying to get, you know, like hold the rope, tell each other you got, he's got your back and, and stuff that's there. So um, my motivation was always I wanted to try to be the best I could at, at, at the coaching and I thought this would help me. And then I got into it and I really got into the leadership part of it. And that's what's inspired me to put this stuff together. Awesome. Thank you for sharing them with us. Thank you. Dan, we have a, a question here, a basketball question from my friend Tom Ricard. So you're going to have to go back and, and answer that because we're talking leadership now, not hoops. Uh, but <laughs> our good friend Tom Ricard asked, Dan, where, where can people find this book? Um, you know, another leadership pub, uh, the leadership publishing team is your group. Where can they find this book? Uh, anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, any of those places. And then leadership publishing team is, um, is our website. That's the leadership website. So, and then also you referenced the journal again, here it is. We love yeah. that, that, you know, it's, it's, it's thick. It's not a flimsy piece of paper. You mail it right to us. Uh, where can people find the journal? Leadership publishing team.com. Yeah. That's been a really fun project and, uh, we'll have to get, 
we need to do some one-on-one -on -one interviews on that because that one's been that one's been really good. Matter of fact, we're just talking with one of a high-profile guy that we're trying to get on board with that. So that's exciting to see where that's going, you know. And I think that's what's you know I keep talking about, but that's what I think is important in any type of leadership or education. Keep evolving, you know. And it's amazing. Ten years ago, I had no idea I'd be writing a journal that some the high-profile leaders and coaches are reading. Who knew? So uh, you just keep evolving and keep doing what's fun. And uh, I know you're offering a discount to the ELB listeners, ELB20 is that discount code? Yeah, That's you right. got it. Dan, I, last year I was going to speak to a group and uh, uh, I had, you know, what I was going to say planned out. And then the, the journal arrived and I read the story about Albert's driver, uh, yeah. Albert Einstein's driver, about the ability to be able to think on your feet. And That's I scrapped right. my speech and I told that story instead. I don't think you've ever had trouble uh, taking on your feet. You got it like that. That's that. That's one of your strong suits. <laughs> well, thanks, Coach. I uh, appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, we're going to sign off here uh, at class. Any last parting words, Dan? No, good luck. And I appreciate all you're doing. You keep rolling. And good luck to all of you. Uh, you're going to do well. I can tell. I can tell by your enthusiasm. You know, you're going to do well. And you got a good instructor there. Use him as a resource. Anything I can ever do, you can find me at leadershippublishingteam.com if you ever need anything, or I'll be happy to help. Dan, thanks so much, and good luck. We'll be in touch. All right, man. Thank you. See you. Thank you all. Right, bye bye. Y'all, did you hear that? <laughs> y'all. hear the Mississippi? You. Thank y'all. <laughs> See you, Dan. See you. <laughs>